It's Wednesday, December 15, 2021, and this is KBIA's Views of the News. Our weekly roundtable on media behaviors comes to you from the studio in the Reynolds Journalism Institute. I'm Amy Simons, and here with me are my colleagues Ron Kelly and Ernest Perry. On our program this week... As night falls, hopes are dimming of finding any more survivors. Covering the deadly tornadoes that ravaged Missouri, Illinois, Kentucky, and other parts of the Midwest. Time Magazine names its Person of the Year. And a big question that is going to weave us through a good chunk of the next half hour. Is it time to pull the plug on cable news? Is its heyday past us? Ron, you pretty much hit hard on this when we were talking about it two weeks ago, when we were talking about um, CNN dumping Chris Cuomo. But this week, there's so much more to it. We learned Monday evening that several of the Fox News personalities, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, and Brian Kilmeade among them, were texting Donald Trump's chief of staff, calling on him to get on TV, to call off the rioters at the Capitol. Now, these were the same people who were on the air fueling the fire, both during the the days after the election and promoting the Stop the Steal movement and who flipped the narrative later in the day. Yeah, um, I think we can't call this journalism in its truest sense. Um, I think the question is, can we as journalists stop covering them, uh, the blunders that they keep making uh, and making them a story? Because uh, I think they're going to continue doing what they're doing. Uh, and so I think it is a conflict of interest. And I think it's all about commentary. They're all just giving commentary. They're not really presenting news. And so I'm not sure what the answer is to fixing the problem with them. Um, Yeah, so Ernest, Sean Hannity said, what was it, about six weeks ago or so, he was on a podcast in which he said he's not above lying to the audience, that he he is in some ways, he knows he's trying to get an audience to take a certain side mm -hmm. and that there's a little bit of theater going on there. Well, you know, Sean Hannity said that, Tucker Carlson has said the same thing. I think they, they have acknowledged to not only their audience, but to the audience at large. Yeah, that was that, Tucker Carlson, yeah, you're right. Carlson. Thank you for correcting me. No, no, no. It, it, they've acknowledged that yeah. they're doing it in order to be able to reach their audience, the people that they are trying to reach. And and if that means that they have to tell, tell a lie in order to weave a narrative that fits into the overall story that they're trying to 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 convey that's what they're going to do and i think that that sort of points to sort of where we are now especially as it relates to the events of january 6 is that you know they are all a part of that narrative which started way before that date uh in terms of of not just stop the steal, but the misinformation and disinformation that was going on prior to the election that Trump himself acknowledged needed to happen uh, because he knew at that time, or at least had a strong indication at that time that he was gonna lose the election. And but then he would say, the only way I could lose this election was if it was stolen from mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the constant feeding into the partisanship uh, in the country and, and it doesn't help uh, things uh, at all if they continue to do that. So let's move up or down the dial, depending on how you get your cable news. I know on mine, I'm <laughs> going up from channel 33 up to 
42. But I want to talk about what has been happening to it CNN, where the focus has turned from the Cuomos to Don Lemon and his involvement involvement with actor Jesse Smollett. Last Thursday, a jury in Cook County, Illinois, convicted Smollett of falsely reporting that he was the victim of a racist and homophobic attack. Lemon went on the air Thursday night and said Smollett had to make up too many lies to explain that false merit narrative. But missing in what he said was any acknowledgement that he, Lemon, had previously been texting Smollett daily and was the one who told the actor that police weren't buying into his story. He called him a liar, and he said that Jesse Smollett made it more difficult for the real, his words, the real victims of hate crimes to come forward. What he didn't say, though, was how his name came up in those court documents and in that trial, and that he was in fact the one who tipped Smollett off to the fact that police weren't buying it. So let's tie this back to the Chris Cuomo thing, right? And Chris Cuomo getting involved in uh, the investigation into his brother when he was then governor of New York. How are these different? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think that there's much difference to okay. them. I, I, yeah, I, I, I think agree. part of the, not part of the issue, but the main issue here is being transparent about your involvement with these individuals in relation to whatever issue they're having, whether it be a civil issue or a criminal issue, uh, the both Chris Cuomo as well as 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 um, Don Lemon, Don Lemon yeah. need to say, "Hey, here's what I did. Here's here's the, the here's the events that they transpired that involved me in all of these issues," and then they can give their commentary. Either they do that or they recuse themselves completely from it and let someone else at CNN deal with it. And I think that's I probably the best thing for both for them and for CNN is to say, hey, you know what? There's a conflict of interest here. I need to back off. Here's what my conflict of interest is. And in, in, and, and in order for my network to be able to do the coverage it needs to do, I'm going to take myself out of this. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I think this is where a lot of the cable news folks get themselves in trouble because they are so involved with the sources or the people in the news that they're involved with. And then they end up having to report on them or have commentary on them, but they don't report their involvement with them or the things that they've been involved with them in. And so they have this conflict. But I, I agree with Ernest, if you have some involvement, you've got to be transparent about that and let your audience know that. And in this case, there there wasn't even a question. He, the texts were read aloud in open court. Right, yep. right. And I think, you know, the other issue here is that, and, and you can talk about uh, Chris Cuomo, Don Lemon, you can mm -hmm. go back to uh, um, uh, all the Fox uh, news anchors we, we've been talking about, and not news anchors, but personalities they're prime time folks yep. and that's the word mm -hmm. yep. they're all personalities mm -hmm. they're all celebrities and they see themselves as that and they think more about their celebrity and their personality than they do about the actual issues that they're covering uh and 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 how those issues have an impact on a, on a much larger society Th that's the problem here it's it's become entertainment it has really moved more so into entertainment than into actually providing news and information. And it's almost like a soap opera in some instances, I, th I think. But it was funny that Le there was a clip from Lemon uh, where he was talking about 
um, that he thought Smollett made a mistake by going on the morning news shows instead of doing cable news at night mm. because he thought <laughs> everything was playing out in the moment uh, and that he would get more play or more attention if he would have defended himself yeah. that if he would have defended himself at the night shows. I think there so, may be something to that. Because he thought that was uh, kind of old school for him going on the morning shows. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to that. I mean, I think a lot of it is you're going to get that sort of bigger celebrity uh, and much more favorable treatment if you do the shows at night as opposed to the ones in the morning. You think so? I mean, well, some of those shows in the morning yeah. are somewhat scripted and they don't give you as much time as you would get at night. So you may not get as much time, but there is so much fluff. There, there, there's no real journalism there in mornings well, either. Well, and we, at yeah. night? Yeah, but <laughs> I was but saying that there is also that there's a very niche audience, though, in the evening times with those cable news shows. And the audiences are not as big as you think they are, uh, according to the statistics. That's a good point. People uh, are they watching. are really uh, very small compared to what you think they are. Like even watching the nightly news shows, mm -hmm. there's like 21 million compared to like 4 million uh, with all three of the nightly news shows, yeah, the cable that, news shows. That's a good point. Because if one of the things that, say, Jesse Smollett was trying to do was win in a court of public opinion, that if he was trying to gain favor among people, that he, he could have every suburban mom watching a morning show that's getting their kid ready for school and out the door. Yeah, And the average age of the people that watch the cable news shows are like in their 60s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the evening ones. The, yeah. the, the, even the night, the, yeah, the, night, night yeah. the nightly cable shows. So yeah. <laughs> as we're talking about nightly cable shows, I want to switch the focus to the Sunday morning shows, which likely have a similar audience there. <laughs> so, Sunday morning, we found out that Chris Wallace, one of the biggest names in, in journalism at Fox, was going to be leaving and crossing the street. But after 18 years, I have decided to leave Fox. I want to try something new to go beyond politics to all the things I'm interested in. I'm ready for a new adventure, and I hope you'll check it out. So, Ernest, I've got to ask, you know, this is Chris Wallace. Like, he mm -hmm. was probably yeah. one of the few only legitimate He was pretty much the journalists. last one, he the was... legitimate journalist at Fox. He was the last one. And so Variety first reported while he was coming off the air, he was going to be going to CNN, going to its new streaming service, right. CNN Plus. Right. Howard Stern was making fun of him, saying the audiences are getting to be so low at CNN. Who's going to leave to go to CNN, let alone a streaming service? Do and, people even want that from CNN? And that's CNN? going to be the issue because, well, CNN was sort of forced into moving into this into this, the streaming era because of some things that NBC was doing, things that Fox was doing. They're all moving in that. Fox so, Nation. Fox Nation. Peacock. Peacock Paramount Plus. Yes, all of that. They're all moving in that direction. So CNN is, is, is moving in that direction, too, and it needed a big name. It needed to find someone. And Chris Wallace, they, they believe, fits that bill. I don't know whether or not that's going to be enough to get people to stream news, uh, to actually pay to, to, to stream news. I mean, part of the issue here is that you've got all of these streaming services, and they all average somewhere between $10 and $5 a month for these services. But after a while, that all starts adding up. It does. And the, the question becomes, are you going to spend that kind of money to, to watch a CNN uh, streaming service that pretty much is going to give you what you have already that 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 you can get on on CNN regular. So 
I'm, I'm just not sure about that. But then I think all of them are facing that. It's not just CNN. They're all facing that. And at some point, there's too many services to stream. And they're going to have to start bundling, and then we're all the way back to well, buying we a cable bundle. Right, yeah. where it's almost worth it just to keep paying cable right. is what you were yeah, paying right. it in the bundle. Yeah, oh, yeah I can imagine the streaming news services, I'm, I'm not sure is going to be a profitable thing. I, I, I can't see how it's going to be profitable yeah. either. I mean, that, that's going to be the key. And if you're thinking that it's going to be driven by these news personalities, I don't know if Chris Wallace, people are going to go and, and, and spend five dollars a month to Just watch chris, chris wallace, wallace. Yeah. to give them news that they can get in other places Some, exactly yeah. um one of the other questions somebody had asked me and it would be interesting to hear your thoughts on this is this simply a move to begin to stack the bench in case some of the heavy hitters the wolf blitzers if you will at cnn decide it's time to retire it could be. I mean, I think CNN has been known to look for heavy hitters to kind of head some of their their shows, uh, their new shows, and so this could be one way. They, you know, they lost Chris Como, um, and they now, could lose Don Lemon. They could lose Don Lemon. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So they could be stacking the deck. Yeah, I mean, and, and here's the thing. I mean, you're going to go get Chris Wallace. He's in his 70s. I think Wolf Blitzer is in his 70s. So, you know, it's, that's I don't know if the, how much of an even trade that is. You know? Okay, so I'm going to admit, before we got to the big question, I, w I was saving this one to tee it up because we're going to move from the substance to, well, this is really the surface. Last week, a homeless man set fire to the large Christmas tree outside Fox News headquarters in New York. And for more than 24 hours, the coverage on Fox sounded like this. Yesterday, we're covering stories about raids in Pacific Palisades in Beverly Hills, California. And then in 48th and 6th, this is a, a tourist attraction from right. around the globe. And they sit there and they have this one lunatic is able to uh, penetrate in and in a matter of seconds, ignite that tree on fire. Thank goodness there's not other structures around it. But our whole lobby was full of smoke, evidently. But, but think about it. Who, to Ainsley's earlier point, who sets a Christmas tree on fire? It's a, it's a and, tree that unites us that brings us together. It's about the Christmas spirit. It is about the holiday season. Uh, it's it, about Jesus. It's about Hanukkah. It is about everything that we stand for as a country, freedom and being able to, to worship the way that you want to worship. It makes me so mad. Okay, so she got me, it, it's about Jesus and it's about Hanukkah, because those usually don't get tied together like that in the same way. The wall-to-wall -wall coverage, and I've linked to a bunch of it on the Lynx blog. There's a kind of a CNN mashup. At one point, Trevor Noah did kind of a funny piece, frankly, if you get a chance to see it, where he cuts the, the Fox News coverage back and forth to George Bush talking about 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> and the terror attack on our nation. At one point, this was called a hate crime and likened to Pearl Harbor by the Fox personalities. This was seen by them as a, a, a point of both personal and professional violation. Yeah, I, I didn't even know that that had yeah, happened until you, until, it up, until, until you put it on the, uh, yeah. on, on the, on the screen. I, I, I was, I've heard about it. You heard about it, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the absurdity I, of cable news. Yeah, I yeah. mean, this is probably the story that sent Chris Wallace. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this this, was this is probably what he got, like, okay. Signing the letter this, yeah, of this resignation. Is, this is the line. This is the line. I, I can't cross this one, you know, but I, I just... Again, I think it's one of those where it panders to their audience. Yeah. It really does. And 
This is the whole war against Christmas that we hear about every year that usually starts on on either uh, uh, one of these shows, the morning show or or Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson. Somebody brings that back out. And this just sort of fits into that narrative. So there you go. Well, so this takes us back to that big question that I posed to you at this point, 16, 17 minutes ago. Is it time for us to be giving up on cable news? I mean, we just had four or five different examples right down to a Christmas tree fire where nobody was hurt. Well, when you say give up on on, Is it time to pull the plug on cable news? Has cable news, has it reached its peak and has it declined to the point where it's harmful to the concept of journalism? Um. If you want to, if you define it as journalism, then yeah, I would say yes. But I, I don't think that that's these shows are are, are now sort of morphed into what I, I think many people back when they started said would eventually happen, which is it's going to become entertainment and it's going to speak to very small audiences, as Ron pointed out. And these are people who are going to stay in the bubble, stay in the echo chambers. These stories sort of speak to them. The way in which they package the stories and create the narrative sort of speaks to them. And that's what it is. I mean, you tune into these shows the same way you would tune into game shows, mm-hmm. okay, or dramas. Uh, and that's that's basically where those shows are. Does, do we give up on cable news? I don't think necessarily. I mean, we're going to be talking about it in a minute. When, when a tornado hits uh, the Mid-South yeah. and takes out communities over four or five states— you get a, you need cable news on you, that one. You do. That's a good point. That I think that's the only thing that they probably are still good at is when we have breaking news. And, it, um, and they can give you wall to wall coverage that maybe some of the regular legacy networks can't do. Uh, they can give you up to date information uh, on the breaking news mm-hmm. that a lot of other places can't. They, they absolutely can. It almost feels though that we've. We've got these networks that are sitting there in standby waiting for the breaking news. And it's good to have them because we need them in that moment. And as I'm sitting here and we're talking about it, I think about how way up in my cable numbers are the SEC alternative uh, alternative channels right, for right. like mm-hmm. when the SEC network can't carry more than one football game right. at a time. Right. Oh, wait, it's on channel 189 or whatever it right. is. It's like. Maybe we need to have something similar well, where our CNN, news networks have their overflow. Well, CNN had headline news. Yeah. That's what but they were basically. now true, dry, that, uh, true, true, true crime. That's right. not coming out, right? <laughs> true crime documentaries. Right. But that's that's yeah. what CNN, that's what's why CNN uh, basically moved uh, over to headline news to give you that so that they could run all these other stories. The problem with headline news, as you just pointed out, is that you don't have that breaking news constantly yep. and you have to constantly feed the beast. If mm-hmm. you if you have uh, a vehicle by which to produce uh, content, you've got to be producing that content or you're going to lose it. And so, you know, that's that's the issue here. I mean, what we have with cable news right now is 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 what it is, what it's going to be until something else comes along. Okay, so let's talk about that tornado coverage. Um, The tornadoes that span the Midwest Friday night killing dozens in Missouri, Illinois, and Kentucky. A couple of notable storylines to talk about here and how journalists approached their coverage immediately after the storm and the stories that they're going to continue to be watching. First, I want to ask you both about CNN's Pamela Brown. She's a Kentucky native and daughter of one-time Governor John Y. Brown. She went to Mayfield one 
wanting to tell the story of those she calls the salt of the earth and her people. So from a journalistic perspective, this is kind of an interesting one for me because we talk about that idea of how journalists can sometimes go in and parachute in in a situation like this, not understand the communities that they're going to cover, not understand the people who are living there. Um, we also talk about conflict of interest. Where would you put Pamela Brown or in this situation? In this situation, I would say that she she comes from the area. She mm -hmm. knows the people who are there. She's going to know the stories, the background, why they live in these communities, what they do in these communities, and how they help each other in times like this. And the community itself, because they know her and they know her family, are much more likely to connect with her and be willing to tell their stories from from the experiences that they have in a much deeper way than someone who just flies in who has no knowledge of the area. So I think in, in this instance, being from the area mm -hmm. actually does help. I agree uh, because she, you know, she knows the people, she knows the area. She can give some background uh, on the community that maybe other national journalists couldn't give because she's familiar with it. So I think that's important to have that perspective uh, to the story that, you, that she could give. Uh, and I know I've been following the story a little bit because my college roommate uh, and friend uh, is uh, the general manager of the Paducah station there, okay. WPSD, and, and publisher of the Mayfair um, newspaper there. So I've been covering it on face, following it on Facebook. And, I'm, and it's one of those things where he made a comment, he was on CNN Reliable Resources. Um, he says, one of the things that, that happens when events like this is that when all the spotlights and all the lights and all the national attention goes away, it's gonna be us, the local media, that's gonna be covering the stories and the after effects of this. And I think that's why local news becomes very important in situations like this, because it's up to the local media uh, to follow up and, and tell the stories and have all the information that the local folks need. So there is a local angle um, that journalists from here in Columbia have been following as well. Several from this market traveling east to Edwardsville, Illinois, where the Amazon warehouse um, collapsed. And that's turning into both a very local story, but at the same time a national story because of the question as to what the working conditions are in Amazon warehouses across the country and what ability the people in the warehouses had to be able to know that they were even in danger. Yeah, that's that that is become a national story and, and it's sort of one of those situations where uh you have people in these buildings who are working if they aren't paying attention to what's going on in the weather. I mean, you're in these huge warehouses. You can't if you're in the center of it. You don't even have an idea of what's happening outside well, and, because there aren't any windows. And some of the reporting I've seen has also indicated that workers are not allowed to have their cell phones with them, right. which meant they also were not getting the tornado no. warnings that come through our phones through emergency alert systems. Right, right, absolutely. And, and so now what's happening is a lot of these companies are going back and looking at these policies because now they can be held liable. For, for what's happening here by not doing that. They're also looking at how these buildings structured. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the building over in Edwardsville uh, was, was 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 basically, you know, ten a, a tin building yeah. that, you know, sort of could, could cave in on itself. And so they're looking at all of those things as well. I mean, what's happening now is that because we're having more and more of these storms, more and more of these, these climatic, uh, climate 
issues mm-hmm. going on. Hey, we're recording this now, and it is 73 degrees outside. 73 on degrees, and the wind is howling. I yeah. mean, and so now that you have more and more that's going on, like, what, what steps are we going to take in order to be able to deal with these issues? Because as they pointed out, the structures in that part of the country can't, with, it, it can't withstand that. Florida, after various hurricanes and tornadoes have come through, have now have building standards that that sort of work for when you have these issues. You don't have that in the Midwest. Okay. You don't have that in, in, in the areas that are being hit. Now they're going to have to start thinking about those things. And looking at our Agreed. building codes here now, too. Right. So this is our last show of the year. So it only makes sense that before we go today, we talk about Time Magazine's Person of the Year. The person that they chose and announced this year was Elon Musk. It seemed, I don't know, I spent a lot of time thinking about this after reading it. I just kind of went, really? That, that's who they came up with? <laughs> and then I spent more time trying to think about who could it have been? And I was also at a bit of a loss, too. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, you know, it could have been Elon Musk. It could have been, could have been President Biden. It could have been... Uh, Dr. Fauci. Could have been Dr. Well, Fauci. So I started thinking about that, right? Like, yep. where and how in COVID did we maybe overlook COVID players, if you will? And so, what was it? I'm losing track of days of the week. I think yesterday, Tuesday, was the anniversary of the first COVID vaccines in right. arms, right. which meant the scientists who were working on the COVID vaccines last year. Yep. Dr. Fauci, probably last year. Yep. So, where does that take us for this year? So one of the names I thought about may have been Simone Biles and the impact that she had on athletics in this year. And she was named the athlete of the year, but mm-hmm. it's also a very American-centric choice. Right. Um, I saw some other people saying that they thought that the same way that there have been groups in the past, that teachers should, that this should have been the year of the teacher and really giving a nod to educators. Right. Um, seen some others who have said the Capitol Police officers okay. who were protecting the Capitol on January 6th go all the way back to the very beginning of right. the year. Um, it's not always a person who is necessarily chosen for good. I mean, Adolf Hitler yeah. was chosen. I mean, well, think, one well, think about it. Okay, so if you, if you, if you, you take Dr. Fauci mm-hmm. or the, the scientists uh, involved in, in the 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 making of the vaccine, mm-hmm. uh, that's political. It some. is, very much if so. You, if you pick teachers, that's political by some because of teachers' unions and people are saying they're the ones who are pushing mass mandates and teaching critical race theory and okay. all this. Okay. Uh, you know, so that throws you into politics there. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's almost like you move toward a, a person like Elon Musk because... Because he went to space this year and nobody yeah. had ever space really... This year he's the richest man on earth. He's the richest man on earth. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you could come up the with... The electric all, car. Yes. Right, right. Tesla. I mean, all of those, I mean, all of those things... But they don't they don't rise to that political sort of uh, uh, angst mm-hmm. and partisanship that all those others that you, you you brought up come come into play, and that's one of the things yeah, that's that, an interesting point. That's yes, one that of is. the that's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where when you when they start thinking about man of the year, a person of the year, a group of the year, they still got to sell magazines. They still have to sell magazines and they have to think about okay, we 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 want to sell magazines so we can't offend one part of our audience. Uh, because we would lose that revenue. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you have to be careful about how you do that. It's, it's a very interesting point, yeah. and I, I appreciate that. Um, I'd like to thank everyone who has been here with us for their time this week. We are almost out of time for our show, um, but appreciate you spending that half hour with us. You can read more about each of the topics we talked about today on our Lynx blog, including some of those videos, if you too hadn't heard about the Fox News Christmas tree <laughs> until today. Those are all under the programs and podcast tabs at kbia.org. We're also available wherever you get your podcasts podcast downloads, including iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our handle there is at views on KBIA. These are all great ways to watch and to listen to our program again, leave us comments or questions, see previews of what we'll be talking about next year and more. As I said, this is our last program in 2021. We'll be back with you again on January 19th of 2022. Sounds so far away. Our thanks to RJ Ice, Travis McMillan for directing today's show, Aaron Hay for handling the audio, and Tim Pilcher for our original theme music.